Live in three, two. Yeah, like we're live now. Dope. Let's do this. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah. Welcome to everyone. This is QA episode five, I believe. Yeah, we're five in it tonight. Five is right out. You know, five is on the books. Monty Python. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, this is the fifth Q&A episode. The general format of the show will be we will be answering questions in the Discord qu- questions for CS Joseph channel. And if we get to it, some in the YouTube comments. Um, general, the general rules for the questions are is try and keep it clean. Um, and try and keep it relevant to the topic. If it's a bit of a tangent, still might be worth answering, so don't be afraid to ask some questions which you think go a little bit off topic. <clears throat> and with don't. that, yep, go just, on. Just don't ask me questions about the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. Gosh, two okay. Python jokes in one night. We're on a roll. Yeah, I was about to say, European or American. <laughs> Anyway, with that, let's head on to the announcements. So the first announcement is a book list will be going up on the website soon. The plan is to have it by the weekend or at least the end of the weekend. Um, So that will be uh, Chase's book list of his sources, books he recommends reading. Um, You'll be able to see a full list of those on his website, uh, on his website, csjoseph.life. Secondly, uh, we will be doing a following, sorry, a coaching giveaway in the near future. So to do that, if you want to be able to apply for uh, terms and conditions apply. And the thing about this coaching session is it's going to be slightly different to all the previous ones in the sense that, you know, we're, we're going to do it Bill O'Reilly style and we're going to do it live. Yeah. Or at least as a video. Or recorded. Like, it's a live or recorded coaching session. So you're winning a coaching session with me. And just be careful what you say because we're going to make it available on YouTube for all to see for good times. So we'll kind of have some fun on that one. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, I think uh, I think that'll be fun. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. Uh, you got anything else, Jeff? Um Yep. Uh, the third announcement is the new tab grid is available on the CSJ uh, website. So you can find to, to a link to that in the CSJ sources on the Discord channel. But I'm pretty sure it's also on the csjoseph.life website. Now if, you, now, if you look at it, it's far superior to the previous one in that it has, uh, what is it, concrete, pragmatic, and affiliative for defining the temperaments. Sorry, I'm going off memory, and I am an SI demon, so please correct me if I'm wrong, Chase. No, I think we're good on that one. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, with that, like I said, questions are coming from the Discord server. If you want to ask a question in advance, maybe if you cannot make the Q&A session, the best place to ask it is in the Discord server, and you can watch the Q&A session at a later date. Um, maybe you'll be able to even find your question and have that answered, and you don't even need to show up to the live event, although we do encourage it. 
And now I think that's everything. And with that, why don't we get this thing on the road, Chase? Yeah, uh, just one more point I want to make. Uh, we do answer some of the questions in the YouTube chat as well. So we'll kind of cycle through them here and there. And uh, just if it has a question mark, we'll try to uh, you know get to those questions as well. But again, remember, most of the questions that we answer are the ones that are provided by the Discord community. So if you want to be able to get that join the discord and then put in your questions in the uh, Q&A channel and also when we're doing the live stream you can actually join me doing the live stream from the discord because we're actually broadcasting from the discord right now right so get in on the discord you get on the live stream channel like you know here I am here jab is here's like literally everybody else on the server at least everyone that's currently <laughs> online decent amount of people tonight so but yeah just be aware of that and uh Awesome. All right, Jab, so what do you got for me tonight? You're a uh, illustrious uh, <clears throat> question person, man. The Riddler. All right. Now, this person gave us two questions, so we'll start with the first one. If I try and enter my ESTP subconscious, do I temporarily lose FI Critic and acquire FI Trickster? Does the same apply to ENFP unconscious? And I become aware of TE. Okay. So this is like an INFJ asking this question for ESTP yep. subconscious and then also asking the same question for like an ISTJ. Is that what this is? I think so. I guess. Okay. Uh, so do you lose your other functions when you go into your subconscious? The answer is no, you actually don't. You retain all of your functions the other time. It's just like... Um, it's like you're turning the lights on some and turning the lights off others, right? They're still there. It's just like there's less, you know, light or less energy or less. It's just not seen as much, basically. And that's effectively what that is. So if, I, if I'm if i an INFJ, right, and I'm going into my EST subconscious, I still have all my functions, except they're just flipped upside down. So, for example, introvert intuition hero becomes introvert intuition, like... Uh, inferior for like a short amount of time it just takes a lot of mental energy to be able to inverse it's called inversing when you go and you do a cognitive transition into your subconscious basically and then you're in your estp subconscious for a limited time and then you can go back into your ego now the more practiced you are uh with doing that the more time uh also the more mature you are the more time you can actually spend in your subconscious uh but it's not like you're able to do that a long time now like, let's definitely do the nerdy Dragon Ball Z reference, hyperbolic time chamber with Goku and Gohan training. They practice by staying in Super Saiyan as long as possible. That's basically like staying in your subconscious as long as possible, right? So uh, think about it that way. You know, it's not it's not supposed to be like a permanent state, right? It's, it's a, it's a semi-permanent or uh, limited state, but you can be there a limited time. And then because you're your opposite, you're not extroverting, you're introverting, or if you're an INFJ, you're actually extroverting, which will drain you of mental energy. And in order to introvert, you're going to have to go back into your ego to be able to gain that energy, for example. And that's basically how that works mechanically. So uh, okay. what's next? Um, he also asked, could slightly define NI a bit more than will uh finding the best path forward for yourself basically you can literally plot a course through any set of obstacles and then uh basically moving in 
you know, forward as a result. Uh, it's just, oh, I have like this huge labyrinth in front of me. What's the best possible way to get through the labyrinth? Oh, NI Hero <laughs> has just plotted this amazing course to get through as quickly as possible. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. That's basically what introvert intuition does. Okay. Um, how can each type curb bullying towards them? Are they susceptible to different times of bullying or being aggressors themselves? Oh, absolutely. So different types have different bullying styles. Like, for example, my type uses uh, sarcasm uh, for bullying, and uh, it can be pretty mean. Uh, there's also the ESTP or the ISTP with their bullying, where it's actually kind of more physical, and it's because their experted sensing parent and hero just can't suffer weak people or people that lack strength, because experted sensing exists to build strength in other people, especially introverted sensing users. And they're making those introverted sensing uh, parents and heroes that much stronger as a result of their influence, as a result of their, I'm going to give you the sensation whether you like it or not, because it's just going to make you stronger. It's going to make you a better person, right? The thing is, though, is that that could be too much, or it could be done to people who are not SJs, like NPs, for example, which actually appear really weak to STP, uh, and then they can definitely get super mega sensitive about it because of how they appear so weak to the STP types. And then as a result, they are they're seen as like these... You know, it's just this huge bullying problem as a result, and it can get pretty abusive. But also, technically, everyone could be bullying. It's just there's different ways of doing it. A way of bullying that NFPs do and STJs do, they spread rumors about people and use gossip as a way to, to nail people. Um, NTPs use ignoring apathy and sarcasm. Uh, SPs use uh, physical sensation, potentially physical abuse, right? There's just a lot of different ways to go about doing it oh uh sjs use it with revenge and vindictiveness right uh always uh, poetic justice right that's kind of their way that they would go about doing it so that's that just gives you an idea of how bullying comes out with the different types we might actually do a series on that later at a later date mm -hmm. um all right now i think this one's gonna be a bit more <clears throat> interesting or hard for you yeah. Can an INTJ slash ESFP romantic relationship work? And if so, how? Uh, short answer, no. Long answer, if like you're the most mature people in the world and you have like unlimited mental energy and you're completely understanding the other person and you can emulate your cognitive functions appropriately. You know, it's like, hey, I'm an ESFP and I'm going to give your SI demon this amazing experience in the bedroom. And then the SI demon of the INTJ is like, meh. Didn't feel it. Right. Yeah, that's someone's going to feel unappreciated. Yeah, someone. Yeah, exactly. It's just no, not not something I would recommend. Like, there's no real compatibility there at all because the ESFP is going to be proving to the INTJ that they're a better INTJ, and the INTJ is going to be proving to the ESFP that they're a better ESFP, right? And it's just going to be consistent right. and just not something I would recommend investing time into for a relationship for sure. Right. So with with the least with the uh, least compatible types, it all comes down to maturity. And the least compatible you go, the more mature you have to be. And this is at the way more mature, end of it. way more um, way more communicative. There's a risk of feeling unfulfilled, which can be an issue. 
but as long as there's constant communication and uh, they're able to go into their subconscious very well, it could work per se. Uh, but it's really hard to get that person to potentially check all those boxes, if you know what I mean. So, you know, it's it, it's really right, high but, effort. So there better be good some, right. some good ROI on that super high effort, right? Right, right, right. Why is subconscious switching relevant? Like, well, TJ switching to ESFP to be in a relationship with an ESFP. Can you clarify that? Well, it, not as much, but it's, it's, it's because you're trying to learn more about the other person by becoming them, essentially, is what I'm saying. Right. Because of that, you're able to uh, <laughs> potentially initiate and respond to them in ways that make more sense for them, uh, because you're able to get more of an idea of their point of view, right? And that's, that's pretty basic. And I think that's why duality, according to socionics, is like what they consider the highest compatibility relationship, but it's really not. But it's all on the basic premise of, hey, you know, I just have to see things from your point of view, and then we can be in a relationship. That's that's literally how socionics touts compatibility amongst the types, and that's right. fundamentally incorrect. Uh, there's a lot more to it. Right, just completely ignores cog- cognitive synchronicity. It's like what? Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Awesome. Okay, now. I want you to take this question with a bit of a grain of salt as to the type they give, because I've realized they've changed their type to ENFJ. But they say that as an ENTJ. So you might have to answer it as if they're an ENFJ. Sure. Anyway, this person asks, what can I do as an ENTJ living in a house with an ISFP father who tells me not to think and an ISTJ stepmother who tells me not to try anything risky? to make my environment something I can grow and start jumping on the opportunities I'm seeing. I feel like I'm always living in my shadow. Uh, get out of that environment as soon as possible. Seriously. <laughs> get a forklift <laughs> license like what I tell people every 10 seconds. <laughs> right. We even have a nice little forklift emoji specific to the CSJ Discord server for such an occasion. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like... Seriously, get out of the house. In fact, how about you just learn some independence and get a job and be responsible. Get your own place, get your own job, get your own car. If you don't have a car, get a bus ticket and get out. And if you can't get a job and you're still in school, why not? Do these things called, like, extracurricular activities. Sign up for chess club if it means that you're not at home in that environment if you have to. Like, seriously, spend time away from your family. That way, you know you can actually start to understand yourself and they're not going to understand you until they respect you. Guess what? They're not going to respect you until you have your own place and your own job, your own car and prove self-sufficiency and independence anyway. Right? So yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Note to everyone here. And this has probably got to be a quote on the Instagram jab. Like if you want people Mm -hmm. to understand you, understand that they're going to have to respect you first because if they don't respect you, they're not going to bother understanding you. That's just the bottom line. They're just not going to bother. So don't even try. And I'm sorry if you're like, you know, someone's, if you have parents that are treating you like that, they're not going to respect you because you don't, you're not self-sufficient. You're dependent on them. Ergo, they have less respect for you as a human being by default, especially if you're a male. And then beyond that, it's like, oh, hey, you know, I really want my parents to understand me. Great. Get out of the house. And then after like, Mm -hmm. you know, they respect you. Oh, now we can work on them understanding you. Hashtag right. makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I really love your advice of telling someone to get their own house because it's like a step above Jordan Peterson. Like, it's not just clean your room, it's buy your own house or rent your own apartment and then keep it clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have something that's yours. And, uh, you know, because you're becoming king, right? If you're a man, you're becoming king. Guess what? That means you have your own castle. It's not that hard. Like, seriously, go get... Oh, but you know, I can't, I can't get my own place, you know, because I'm not making enough money. And like, that's your fault. Go get certified. You know how much, uh, you know how easy it is to get a food handler's permit and then uh, start making some decent money, like as a waiter or something, or potentially as a cook, you know, oh, but I'm not getting enough hours. Great. <laughs> get a second job. Okay. And then while you're getting work history, go to like a local temp agency and find out what certifications they have available for you to take, including like, you know, a forklift safety certification. And then uh, get said certifications. They only cost like 200 bucks. Then you're instantly hireable with no work experience. You're starting out with 15 bucks an hour at a minimum. And that's basically enough in most places if you have no debt to actually get your own place. So which, by the way, you should be doing before going to college. And if you're going to college racking up student loan debt, I'm sorry to say, but like, I don't respect you. Stop doing that. Like, I don't. Like, I really <laughs> don't. Sorry. And oh, yeah. by the way, I'm a hypocrite because that's what I did. Right, right. Well, I guess at least you're you're uh, preaching from experience as opposed to like, yeah, telling no. people to repeat your mistake. Yeah, don't repeat my mistake at all. No. Although, to be fair, when you did go through college, it was when the interest rates were highest. Yeah, but I love my nine point six percent interest on my student loans <laughs> because you know subprime student loans are okay apparently instead of but right. but it's bad for houses but it's good for student loans guys. Yeah. Right. Even though even though they cost just as much as each other. I know, right? Right. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Do you think the reason that people sometimes end up married to their subconscious is because their subconscious is what they want to be? Uh, yes, that is an argument for duality I have seen multiple times. And uh, yes, uh, we have seen that. But that's just, again, that basic, that's living vicariously through other people, which is not a healthy behavior. Like, I don't care. That is not a healthy behavior. So not something I would recommend. Okay. I just got a message saying some of these questions have already been answered. Uh, yeah, just hmm. keep, uh, skipping through until we find something. All right. Uh, I'm just going to skip to this one. In your lecture, What is Temperament? You alluded to the notion of being able to understand how children can develop their cognition. Is there any hint as to how birth order may play a role in the development of cognitive functions? I am second-born middle child who is NT, whereas my other siblings are NFs. Uh. <laughs> I think I may have answered that the last session, but the answer to that question is yes. Birth order is an aspect of human nurture, and human nurture can affect your quadra, which can affect your ego placement, and then your ego is solidified uh, at the beginning or middle of adolescence, basically. And then once your ego is selected, that's your ego for like the rest of your life. Um, there is some things that can move it in and out, nurture-based, and birth order does definitely have a lot to do with it. So does the types of your parents, the types of your brothers and sisters, etc., because it makes it, it causes your mind to adjust itself through the quadra and go from there. And that's why you have some families where, you know, you feel like an alien 
And then uh, as a result of feeling like that, you kind of like, wow, I'm like really lonely. Like, for example, my family, I'm the only in my immediate family that I grew up with. I'm the only pragmatic person. Right. Everyone else is affiliative. So when I'm right. doing what works, they're all trying to do the right thing. And then they accuse me of not doing the right thing consistently, which is like really alienating to me, basically. And it's really frustrating. So. So, yes, birth order does matter. OK. Um, I'm. Season 16 or 17, you're going to be talking about that? Uh, season 17, actually. We're going to be diving into right. that in season 17. Got to get past Perfect. first. Right, right. Okay. Somebody asks, how can you type an entire country? Chase often says in his videos that US is an SJ culture. Australia is an SP culture. Japan is an NJ culture. So, I, I want to know what processes. So uh, it's not really necessarily typing a whole nation as much as it is just assigning a general temperament. So the United States of America is a guardian-based society, uh, whereas uh, Australia is an SP, artisan-based society. Uh, Sweden is an NF, idealist-based uh, society. So there's different, uh, there's different temperaments that are more favored within each of the uh, the political scientific uh, landscapes of each of these nations. And, and that happens like on any culture or community or tribe, et cetera, where there's generally like an overarching temperament that uh, is like foreshadowing the entire culture. And most decisions made collectively follows that sort of temperament to a point. This also is exemplified through various generations. If you've read the book known as The Fourth Turning and the Four Generational Archetypes, each of those generational archetypes also actually have uh, you know, some affinity with the actual uh, Jungian temperaments, uh, you know, according to, uh, well, actually Platonic temperaments because Plato came up with it long before any Jungian analytical psychologist did. So, but yeah, that's how I would answer that question. All right. Um, with this question, how do ENTPs and INTPs recover from burnout if it is caused by too much FEs? So how can they recover from FE guilt? I believe that's what this person is asking. How can they recover from FE guilt? Uh, basically, it's time. Time is the only thing that you could do it. So like if you're an NTP and you're suffering a lot of guilt uh, and for whatever reason, um, Usually NTPs suffer the most guilt as a result of uh, relationships with their parents, relationships with their lovers, uh, also as well as their close friends. Uh, usually the NTP needs to shy away from those people over time. And then by not being around those people over time, their, their mind is able to like slowly reset because they're able to realize that they need to be loyal to themselves first and not loyal to another person, basically, uh, at least right then. Because if they're like even questioning or even feeling the guilt, you have to think to yourself, okay, well, is the other person manipulating me into having the guilt? I mean, they have to verify that, especially with their TI hero or their TI parent. They have to verify the guilt factor, which means they need to spend time away from those people that they're guilty about in order to be able to break away. This is one of the reasons why NTPs mm -hmm. out of all of the types actually struggle the most when it comes to breakups, because breakups specifically 
they have a hard time of letting go because they're just so loyal to that person, uh, so insanely loyal to that person, but they feel so guilty about even desiring to leave because they feel disloyal to that person. So what they end up having to do is that they just need to just get away from that person for a while so they can figure out how to be loyal to themselves again and then reevaluate whether or not they need to be loyal to that other person. And if not, if the answer is no, then they need to move on and then they will move on as a result of that and then they'll be a lot healthier as a result. It's just SI child and SI inferior in combination with FE child or FE inferior. The ESFJ subconscious or the ISFJ subconscious just cannot let go. It's, I mean, think about it. Like even, even with all of my relationships, every woman that I've ever had a sexual relationship with, every single one of them, I still love them. Even though technically like, at least half of them hate my guts, but that doesn't matter. Like that imprint is there. And that's why it's really unhealthy for an NTP to rack up as many sexual relationships as they can, like how an STP would, uh, because an NTP can't really, you know, can't really cope with it emotionally over time. So it, it's because they'll never stop loving that person. It doesn't matter. Like if intimacy occurs, the NTP will not ever stop loving that person. Now that doesn't mean that they have to be in a relationship with that person. That doesn't mean that they're always going to go back to that person. That's not how that works, right? Uh, obviously they make the choice to like not have an intimate relationship with that person again, but that will never change based on how they feel about that person. Because at the end of the day, they will always remember that kind of relationship and they always will value it, you know, even though they may have been crapped on or disrespected or potentially abused, they still technically love them but it's more like loving them from a distance. And that's usually why statistically, when we look at NTP relationships, especially romantic and intimate relationships, they still speak very highly of their past lovers, regardless of their relationship status with those past lovers. So that's basically how that goes. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, just just remember NTPs really struggle in that area and it could be like very detrimental to them, but they just need time, they just need space uh, and they need to be left alone to figure it out because if they're not left alone to figure it out, then they'll be getting the emotional support from some sources while not able to get the emotional support, uh, which will end up allowing them to be enabled and to continue into uh, the poor relationship that they're in, right? That they obviously know in themselves that, yeah, I should probably, like, I probably should leave this relationship because this is a very abusive relationship, but I just can't let go. And then they go to their friends for that moral support, right? Because FE child or FE inferior is looking for moral support. Their friends give them that moral support and then it's actually enabling them to stay in that abusive relationship and then they never get out. So their friends need to kind of basically door slam the NTP at that point in time so that they can, you know, get their head on straight. You know, it's like when you tell an INFJ, you know, don't talk to me again until you get your shit together. It's the same concept, right? Except from the NTP standpoint. So until the NTP is then, because they're not getting the moral support with their friends, they'll hit rock bottom in their relationship, right? And then after they hit rock bottom, they learn that they need to be loyal to themselves instead of loyal to that other person. And then they're not so guilty anymore. And then they could re-interface their friends and then actually seek healthy relationships for once. So that's how I would answer that question. All right. Um, uh, the next question comes from, Somebody who says they're an ESFP, or they're asking if you're an ESFP, but they have their type as an ENFP. 
So you might have to take their type as a grain of salt when they say this. Uh, if you're an ESFP and you've been living in stress throughout your teenage years, you appear to be your shadow as an ISFJ? Yes, yes, you would appear <laughs> as your shadow, yes. Right. If you develop your SI and NE during this time, is it possible to look like an ENFP so as your SI and NE have developed well before you return to your ESFP mode years later? No, because ENFP has nothing to do with ESFP. They're trying to stick <laughs> functions that are in the shadow and make them come up into the ego, and that's not how that actually works. So, right, it's the ability to bounce between the two. Yeah, yeah. All it is, you can't take functions in your shadow and make them appear in your ego. That's not how that works. You can either go into your shadow and use those functions somewhat <laughs> simultaneously in an integrated manner, uh, with your with your ego, but they're still technically separate uh, beings living inside your soul as, or your mind. Uh, mm -hmm. You know that's basically how that works. This, the difference is, I mean, you can induce that behavior with drugs or or mind altering substances, even caffeine, right? Like because because generally stimulants put you in your subconscious, whereas uh, depressants put you in your unconscious. Essentially, disclaimer: He's not recommending this. No, I am not recommending this. So, yeah, definitely not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and with that, let's go to the next question. Could you explain more in detail, in more details about INTPs and ENTPs superego aside from the explanations you've given in your details? So how do the NTP superegos work? So, how so is that the ISFJ NTP, and the ESFJ? The NTP superegos work. Well... Let me tell you something about my superego. My superego is very funny superego. It's just like, you know, I really like that guy. And it's like, <laughs> I really like that guy. And then it's like, oh, I really like that guy. <laughs> I'm going to burn him <laughs> and, dan and dance over his grave. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's just kind of what it looks like. ESFP uh, superego is like this demonic uh, clown trickster. It's like literally Kefka from Final Fantasy VI about to destroy the world and burn it down to the ground. That's literally what right. my superego is. And uh, ISFP right. superego does it no more focused manner uh you know like where it's like oh look at this amazing uh artistic canvas that the earth is as i burn it to the ground whereas the esfp is just like you know no no the earth is just a giant sparkler bomb for me yay <laughs> that's basically where it comes from so yeah uh, mm -hmm. it's definitely chaotic evil um esfp Whereas it's kind of a more neutral evil uh, trope for the ISFP uh, superego. Right. Because with, with that SE demon coming out, you're getting like the desire to give someone a bad experience. Yeah, it's absolutely the desire to give them the most absolute bad experience ever. And actually... Um, you can you can take a look at it. Um, there's a book uh, by Orson Scott Card by uh, called Ender's Game, and uh, this kid Ender, like he's this uh, genius uh, and whatnot. Uh, that he, uh, um, you know, a lot of people say he's INTJ. Some people say he's ENTP. Uh, he cognitive transitions between the two very often in the book, uh, but he's definitely in that quadra. And uh, when he fights enemies, it could be fellow kids at school, it could be the games that he plays or whatever, but he absolutely crushes them so that there's absolutely no way impossible, no way possible that they could actually come back and harm him again in the future, right? And that's very ESFP super ego. 
right? Very burn the world that burn the world down, burn them down, dance over the corpses with absolute joy, knowing because you know that that bad thing that was bad to you, for example, doesn't matter if it's bad to someone else, doesn't matter what other people think, it's bad to you, that bad thing to you will never come back, right? So it can it can take it too far, pretty, pretty far, way too far. Okay. Well, the next question will be a pretty straightforward one because I'm sure you don't want to spoil it if the answer is yes. But somebody asks if we can type Bono from the band YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that uh, in one of our How to Type episodes in the future, for sure. All right. Um, is it possible to physically access all four parts of my mind through sheer force of will alone? So how do I go about achieving that? Ooh. Only after Me you've too. gotten over your worry and your insecurity. <laughs> And after you've developed your subconscious so that you can healthily access your superego, yes. Only after all of that, a.k.a. Right. achieving enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only after that. <laughs> right. So, so the stepping stone to activating the superego is the subconscious. And activating the subconscious, in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. And to do that, you need to get over your insecurities because that's where your inferior function is. Yeah. Nice. Um, are INFPs like children, or are children like INFPs? I'm not answering that question. Yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to people focusing on the child function and then saying a type is like a child, which probably isn't productive. Um, what are some clever ways to encourage good habit building and bad habit breaking for SI users? Self-discipline. Absolutely right. self-discipline. Uh, and you do this through literally forcing yourself to do things you don't like doing consistently and do habit building. Uh, there's a lot of books on habit building. There's a lot of uh, TED Talks on habit building. You literally research the uh, the subject of habit building and you're good to go. You just have to make it a habit. And once it is a habit, you're good to go. Your self-discipline has been programmed, and then you have a habit. If you have some bad habits, you have to use your self-discipline to get out of said bad habits, right? So that's the direction you'd, you'd follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, routine. Next question, is there a credible source material for loops? So I think this person's talking about conflict loops in the cognitive functions uh season five on my youtube channel cognitive synchronicity um although it doesn't right. talk about all of the loops there's other loops too um there's loops and i mean it just depends on the context what is the context this question is being asked because there's like source material so, so is there a book on this is there a good author John, dr dr john Beebe, like is probably the only good source on it that's it Outside of that, <laughs> I wouldn't even bother. All right. How can I and how do you as an ETP actually get things done? Shadow transition. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you literally shadow transition. You go into your uh, <laughs> you go into your unconscious side of your mind, become your INTJ shadow, and you focus on one thing at a time. Now, let's talk about that. So let's say as an ENTP, 
you have a bunch of crap that's just piled up. Like you have a lot of chores to do. You're completely overwhelmed. It could be at work, for example. And you're just like, how the hell am I going to tackle all this? There's just no way. There is no way I'm going to tackle all of it, right? And you know there's no way. So what you have to do is get by yourself. Don't let anyone talk to you or distract you. Remove all distractions. Uh, you could even potentially use a mind-altering substance, a depressant of some kind, and just focus. I do not recommend the mind-altering substance, though, because you need to learn how to do it without the substances. And even if you do use the substances, you could get so inebriated that you're actually not productive. You know what I mean? So you got to be really careful. But really, it comes down to you need to get into your shadow. It allows you to focus on one thing at a time and do it. The only other strategy I could suggest is you kind of have a main path forward with your NI nemesis, but your NE hero is going to cause you to branch out in multiple directions as you're slowly moving forward, right? Multiple directions, slowly moving forward. But after you go a different direction, you always come back to the main drag. Always come back, always come back, always come back as you're moving forward, right? And then as a result of doing that, then uh, you'll actually complete more tasks and actually finish some things. Uh, things that I start, I actually keep a mind map of everything that I start ever, so I can always see where I've come from. And then after a while, a lot of my ideas get stale, and I, and I really recognize that uh, that was a brilliant idea two years ago. Trash. Like, it's not relevant anymore, right? Someone already thought of that, or someone else has a product out for that, or whatever, right? It's important to keep track of the things that you have started. And sometimes you can actually take the things that you've started in the past and realize on this, where you're at now, you can you can integrate it in like a tree, basically, like grafting into a tree, basically. So you just always have to go, you have to, as an NTPOs, have to go back home, right? Try to get back home, which is the main path, the, the main idea, basically. Mm -hmm. All right. So this person is asking, hello, as a TI trickster, right, how can I learn to perform TI on my own? Is it possible? No, it's not possible. Nope. Nope. Can't, you cannot. What if they learn. surround themselves by TI users? If they surround themselves with TI users, they can emulate TI a lot easier because they're absorbing the TI of those people. But again, if you're a TE user and you want to be able to use kind of some TI, you're not really going to be able to do it on your own. So what do you do is you just read. Collect reference points. Read, 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 read. If you're a TE user, you need to be reading <laughs> at least one book a month, maybe two books a month. Oh, but I don't have the patience or the self-discipline. Well, that's probably because you're a bad SI user if you don't have that self-discipline, <laughs> to be honest, and likely immature. And if you're lacking the discipline, you're not able to do that. If you have like a job, because hopefully you do have a job and you're not like that useless. And oh, if you have a job, maybe you have a commute and maybe you could be doing audiobooks during your commute. That way you're getting that reading time, that very precious and needed reading time for your TE so that you can actually rely on all those reference points instead of relying on potential TI users around you, which may not actually be very intelligent because of their lack of life experience and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like that can be a problem, right? So not, not cool. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. very not ideal. So right. That could be an issue. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, uh, one Person. second. I want to answer uh, Ethan Davis 9424. Can someone shift into a different side of the mind due to hormone fluctuations during pregnancy? The answer to that question is yes, absolutely. That question is yes, they can. Uh, having been married to a woman who uh, 
was pregnant twice. Yes, she <laughs> went into her um, her ISFJ shadow all the time, and it was absolutely difficult when she did because that's like polar opposite to me, and it was as if I was not even human around her. So yeah, that is definitely mm -hmm. a thing. So okay, um, if you don't mind me following up on that, sure. So what about with birth control pills, like? Aren't, aren't some birth don't some birth control pills work by emulating your body into thinking it's pregnant already so that it doesn't try and conceive wouldn't that hormone fluctuation cause the shift so while taking birth control could you take be in a shift only if the woman who's doing that is already unhealthy meaning that she's estrogen dominant uh probably is not able to produce much uh progesterone on her own and uh mm -hmm. and also has low t like low testosterone for a woman. If you have that, you have the perfect storm, which does cause cognitive transitions into your unconscious. Uh, and they would be in their unconscious on a regular basis, uh, in and out. And it's almost like whiplash. So yes, that is definitely a thing. However, if they are a healthy female where they are not estrogen dominant and they have uh, a really good testosterone level for a female and they're able to produce progesterone on their own, the answer is no. Okay. Okay, let's move forward. Somebody asks, what was the type for Prometheus? I don't even know what Prometheus they're talking about. Uh, probably Prometheus from, uh, like, lore from the story. Lore. The Greek story or whatever story that's from. <laughs> Flying too close right. to the sun. Uh, honestly, I think Prometheus was probably an NTP of some kind for sure. Right. Definitely an NTP. Yeah. NTPs have this problem where they fly too close to the sun and then they get burned. Uh, or they, uh, like they, um, they kind of bulldoze through life or they, they, they pressure people in ways that they don't want, or they're not comfortable with a little too much. It's one of the reasons why, like, for example, NTPs in the bar situation, I tell NTPs to never, ever, ever initiate, especially if they're men, never, ever initiate with women in the bar ever. <laughs> Always let the women come to you as an NTP. Never do it. Otherwise they're just going to label you as someone who's a creeper. So right. don't do it. Like, seriously, let the women initiate with you. Don't initiate with them. Now, if you're an NTP woman, that's different. But if you're an NTP man, yeah, don't do that. And we'll watch those NTP men fly too close to the sun. LOL. You know, and yes, I'm guilty of it myself. So, yeah, not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How can an INFP who has trouble comforting someone, for example, occasionally not knowing what to say, say if someone dies, but feels a lot better for them, but feels a lot for them to do better. How can an so, INTP comfort someone? INFP. Oh. Um, but they don't know what to say, but they feel a lot better if they do make them feel better. I think that's what they're saying. They got to be able to use their ENFJ unconscious in a very healthy way and do the good thing, right? But be supportive. Mm -hmm. They have to completely let go of all selfishness, basically. And uh, and let go of their mood. Their mood doesn't mean anything anymore in that situation. If they let go of their right. mood and they're not focused on their self and they're focused completely on the other person 100%, it can be done for sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you want to answer this. This seems like a open-ended question, but maybe in the future you could make a video on it or something. What occupations are best suited to each type? Uh, that... <laughs> 
the career <laughs> lectures will be made available later. Uh, and they are coming. It's on the schedule. Hashtag patience. When we, uh, <laughs> yeah. When we get uh, when we get the website completed, we're going to be launching some other revenue streams uh, for CSJ as a firm, and then we're going to be providing additional content, even more than what we've been doing now, and make it available to everybody. So, or you know, however way we decide to distribute it at the time, but it is coming, mm -hmm. uh, as well as content about sexuality. We have two long lecture series, like 32 lectures on sexuality alone planned, and uh, also a bunch on parenting and various other forms of human interaction. So those will be made available in the future. Right. Okay. Um, in the how ISTPs compare to INTPs, you mentioned the kingpin being an INTP stuck in his ENTJ shadow. Can you elaborate on this? Specifically, what I want to know if it's more productive to be in the ENTJ shadow than the ESFJ subconscious. ENTJs tend to emphasize self-discipline and ambition more than the ESFJs. ENTJs, no, no, they don't. They're very, they're all ambition and they are, have nothing to do with self-discipline. The ESFJ side has everything to do with self-discipline. So no, but, uh, Yes, the kingpin in the Daredevil show on Netflix, that portrayal of him is an INTP stuck in ENTJ shadow going into ISFP demon when he like kills and murders his father with a hammer. Like that's literally what happened, you know, and his father is an right. INFP, LOL, you know. So it's just kind of like great, right? You know, <laughs> that's definitely uh definitely not uh something i'd recommend but uh yeah that's no the self-discipline comes from the esfj and that's why you know if you want to be self-disciplined as an intp focus on being supportive and again if you want to make yourself an intelligent intp a smart and growing in intelligence intp you need to focus on helping others not focus on learning, but focus on helping because in order to help, you'll find out that you have to learn in order to help, which will make you stronger with your TI hero. And then basically no one will be able to mentally challenge you ever again if you focus on helping others. Same goes for ISTPs. Okay. All right, let's move forward again. Um, does being in a nuclear family of majority FP types affect an ISTP's development? Yes, E.g. for having a higher than average FI for an ISTP. No, there is no such thing as a higher average of FI for an ISTP. I think that person's mistyped and not really aware of what they're asking. So no. Okay. <clears throat> like, I can't answer that question oh. properly because it's not asked properly. Okay. Let's move on then. What would an entirely mature ENFJ actualize in your eyes? I've been typed by you, but the ways that TI inferior extrapolated don't strike with me at all. I don't think I have a right to anything, especially in relationships. What causes a right to anything? I I wouldn't imagine that an ENFJ would have a right to anything. It's all about what they earn, right? So what have they earned? That's my question. What would be an actualized ENFJ man? Well, someone who's actually <laughs> running nonprofit organizations to actually help the community, establishing food banks, relationships with various churches, to create a coalition of churches, to bring in like to build a hospital that would bring in a bunch of jobs and more parishioners for the churches so that we're not competing with each other for parishioners like a bunch of morons. Yay. 
Yay. <laughs> Burn down that church. Like, come on, guys. Wow. No, seriously. Like, if you're if you're in a church, uh, like, or if you're church leadership and you're watching this right now, like, seriously, wake up. You guys are really stressing me out right now. Like, competing with other churches for parishioners, that's so dumb. How about, like, you create a coalition of those churches, regardless of their belief system, and actually focus on the community for once, instead of, like, oh, yeah, 9% of all the money that ever goes into a church, statistically, in the United States of America, only makes it back to the community. Yay! When you expect your parishioners to provide 10% to you. Are you kidding me? How about, like, you actually, like, create a united coalition of churches and focus on community development, which, guess what, will attract more people to your community and fill your churches? Wow. Like, <laughs> hashtag not complicated, guys. But instead, you all have to be competing with each other, and then you get all super judgmental, and then, like, you're you're – before long, the entire community is Bible thumping everyone and alienating everybody, and no one wants to even be in there. So, huh, I wonder how that works. Stop doing that. Please uh, wake up. <laughs> triggered. Yeah, so triggered. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's pull you back to your ego. And with this next question, this person asks, let's assume that a female INTJ age 16, I don't know why that's relevant yet, but chooses a path in life despite not being certain that is what she wants to do. This decision then backfires and leads to a two-year depression, still trying to pull through anyway, before finally giving in and dropping out. Would this lead to her being scared of ever wanting to do something again? Could this lead to her neglecting NI and rely on TE this for majority like, of the stuff? This is like so complicated. Can you like paste that to me real quick so I can actually read that. Uh, okay. Um. Alright. So let's assume that a female INTJ age 16 chooses past the light despite not being certain what it is that she wants to do. Decision backfires <laughs> leads to a two-year depression before finally giving and dropping out. Is either being scared or wanting to do something again? No, because they're an INTJ. This leads right. to her neglecting her aunt and I? No, because she's an INTJ. And rely only on TE? No, she's an INTJ for the majority of the stuffs. No. Also, if this was the case, how would one try to fix her? Okay, leave her alone. Let her do whatever she wants. Give her all the freedom of the world. But if she is, depending on that and being like completely unmotivated, chances are she's actually an ISTJ, right? And it's like, well, I tried this thing and it failed and blew up in my face. Why am I going to want to do that? Why am I going to want to have that experience again? Right? So the INTJ is <laughs> not going to have that problem. The, the ISTJ would have that problem. They'd probably get stuck. They get stuck in their comfort zone and they don't actually believe. They don't actually have faith because that's the difference between an INTJ and an ISTJ. The INTJ knows what they want. And they're going to use that willpower to get what they want. And then one day they're always going to get through regardless of the influence of other people in their life. They will make it through. The ISTJ, however, they have to have faith in something in order to move forward. And it sounds like this question is actually more relating to an ISTJ, which they need to have faith. So what you do to motivate them is you build up faith and you give them options and say, hey, you should do this. You should put your faith in this because this actually works. Here's proof of it. Here's reference points. Here's statistics. Here's data where I could show you that this path is why you should do this because I want to tell you that you need to do this because I have XYZ proof that tells you why you should. 
and then after that they're obligated to do it and then they actually do it and then they're actually successful and they finally have that little bit of success in their long-term memory oh i remember success now and then they could build upon it and it becomes this fibonacci pattern of building and the iscj becomes more successful mm -hmm. yeah i mean that sounds like it covers it to me all right this person asks, why is it the Mrs. function optimistic when it's a worry function? Why is it? Okay, so again, it is an optimistic function, but you have to understand that the unconscious side of your mind itself is overly pessimistic, right? Whereas right. the ego is overly optimistic, but there's still some pessimistic functions inside. So mm -hmm. it's like you have an optimistic or a pessimistic overtone, right? Uh, and you know, that's where it is. Um, oh, real quick, Jeb, Hades, son of Cronus asked INTJ, how do I find out what my child wants? So your FI child, what does it want? Basically anything that makes it feel good, anything that you value. So if you, um, it's all about, uh, you know, getting, gaining status or, uh, or having other people think highly of you doing something, performing really well that cause other people, Mr. Hades, son of Cronus, uh, to, uh, to think highly of you when they think highly of you, that makes your FI child feel good about yourself. And then as a result of that, you feel like you're doing a good job. This also helps you get rid of your performance anxiety as an INTJ with your SE inferior, right? So just, just remember how that works with, in that regard. Uh, uh, focus on performing well, focus on seeking feedback that you need from people. And then with that feedback, uh, you're able to make yourself better. And then because you're more effective and you're performing better, people think highly of you, a lot more highly of you, especially over time. They're more loyal to you. And then that makes your FI child feel good because you're like, great. I feel good about myself because these people think highly of me because of my excellent performance. And I have numbers and statistics and metrics and rubrics that prove to anyone, not just myself, that I'm doing a good job. So that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, that seems pretty good to me. Um, can ESTPs become excellent financial analysts? ESTPs? No. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> no, actually, uh, anecdotal evidence. We have an ESTP on one of our private uh, Discord servers that we hang out all the time. And the running joke is, is if he gives financial advice, do the opposite, because then you can be successful. <laughs> <laughs> uh. we, we've literally made... We've literally made cryptocurrency investments based on doing the opposite of what he's done <laughs> and then make money. <laughs> so the answer to that question is no. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Now this question seems like it's a mouthful. Chase has mentioned that a lot of people can be mistyped as ENFP. If I understand this correctly, it's usually ENFP, ENTPs, and ESFPs that are diagnosed as ADHD or ADD, even though they can be misdiagnosed due to any slash SC hero. I've read up on bipolar. I've read that bipolar can be misdiagnosed and said to be people said to people they are ADHD. My question is: If you type as an ENFP and you have ADHD since childhood, according to a doctor's diagnosis, can it also be possible that you're actually another? type of personality with bipolar since childhood, which appears to be an ENFP with ADHD. 
Okay, so I'm not an expert on ADD or ADHD. However, uh, yes, there is a chance that you could be mistyped. Uh, although I take those diagnoses with a grain of salt because starter types, specifically ESFPs, ENTPs, and ENFPs, not really ESFJs, um, but those three types typically do get diagnosed with ADD and ADHD unfairly. So also do some SP types. Um, uh, specifically ESTPs and ISTPs, they also can be typed that way as well. Right. ISFPs, not uh, for sure. They don't, they don't have to deal with that. So it's kind of just those three SP types and those three uh, NP types that can be an issue there. So now what I would recommend is verifying. You verify by asking someone who knows the type grid and at getting their assistance or learning the type grid yourself and then typing yourself accordingly to the uh, the type grid and the uh, temperament grid. If you don't know how to get there or how to get one, all you have to do is go to csjoseph.life. It's a website. You put in your email on the front page, and then, you know, you're good to go, basically. So uh, Strawberry Lolly asks a question. Hi, INTP here. How can I form meaningful friendships when I don't have natural connection rapport with most people? Excellent question, and I'll answer you. So it all comes down to uh, helping others. So, But you have to do it in a special way. There's an actual process you follow. INTPs have this problem because they have TE nemesis, because their TI hero is so intelligent and they know all the things, which is amazing. And I love how TI hero is just like literally brilliant about everything, even if you're an ISTP. But the point is... When you're like on the job, for example, or you're around people, maybe your family and whatnot, and you see someone doing something and you're like, wow, that person's going to screw up. Don't interrupt them. Usually INTPs, just like ISTPs have this problem, they go interrupt the person and they just do it for them themselves, right? Or when people come to you asking you for your advice or asking you for help, don't just do it for them. Do not do, do not solve their problem for them. You ask them, you let them fail first. So INTPs need to learn how to allow other people to fail first before helping them. And then they show by example how to solve that problem. And then that person is helped. And that means to the INTP, they would want to come back to the INTP later and get additional help and advice, right? So it's always from the point of engaging your FE inferior specifically to um, um, uh, specifically you know, like focus on your FE inferior. Stop being afraid of helping others. If you are helping others, they have no right to criticize you for helping them, right? Other than like, oh, you're too harsh, blah, blah, blah. But you just asked me for help. You know what I mean? So like, why bother, right? So don't, uh, don't, uh, don't allow other people to get down on you because you're not, uh, you know, when you're helping them. You know, and if they do get down on you and you're helping them, move on to somebody else. You have to position yourself for greatness. Order determines outcome. So, Strawberry Lolly, what I would recommend you do, put yourself in situations where you can actually share your knowledge and actually be helpful to fellow human beings. And then you'll be able to create relationships. That's also one of the number one ways an INTP can attract an NTJ lover or an SFP lover, which is what I would recommend uh, for them. Uh, and uh, NTJs and SFPs, for example. Now you could get away with 
NFJs as well. Um, so you can you can definitely do that. But you are offering to help with your TI hero and FE and Fury. If you focus on getting over your insecurity and your social anxiety, because you don't have to have social anxiety anymore if you know that your purpose is to help. If your purpose is to help fellow human beings and solve their problems, right? That means you don't have to be afraid anymore because if anyone gets on you for helping, then that means they're douchebags and should be thrown in the dumpster and you should have nothing to do with those people anyway. And they're being disrespectful. You're trying to help them. They have no right to do that to you. So throw them in the dumpster and you can move on and it's good to go and you're fine. Uh, but mm -hmm. like just basically, you know, understand like you can't do that. You know, uh, it's important to make sure that, uh, you know, you offer the help. Now, one thing though, when it comes to INTPs, like, and ISTPs do this too. When people are screwing up, sometimes you might not have all the information. And because you don't have all the information, you're at risk of potentially jumping to conclusions about another person not actually knowing what they're doing when they actually do. So make sure you use your TI hero to actually verify first that they definitely do not know what they're doing. And you do this by going up to them and asking them a question. Hey, you know, uh, you ask them a question and then how that person answers that question, you are able to verify through TI Hero. Okay, yeah, that person definitely does not know what they're doing right now. And then you can kind of slowly insert yourself, but you still have to respect that other human being, right? But again, if you are not, uh, if you are not, uh, if you are focused on helping them, they can't get mad at you. So that's how I would answer that question. Um, if you don't mind, I'm, feel like I could chime in on that also. Go for it. With respect to what you were saying, um, can you clarify the fine line between what you said and a covert contract? So covert contract, uh, that is when you offer to help somebody, but you expect something in return without actually telling them that you expect something in return, which can cause an issue right? So be aware of that risk. Uh, that can definitely be a problem. Uh, so ESFJ heroes or ESFJ egos and ESFJ subconscious, they can definitely work over those covert contracts if you're not careful. And INTPs specifically have covert contracts. Now, one of the ways that INTPs, you know, when they they have to, like, when they're helping someone, they actually sometimes do have to state directly with their TI hero, yeah, like, I'm not expecting anything in return about this. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. expecting recognition, right? They can, but that's the thing. Some people, some types are kind of insecure about that, and they'll actually kind of jump to the conclusion that the INTP is actually trying to get something out of them. Because if that type has actually observed the INTP using a covert contract with someone else, they're by default not going to allow the INTP to actually help them because they're afraid of getting manipulated. And the INTP with SE Trickster is completely unaware of that. Completely unaware, right? So right. that could be an issue. I think, does that answer your question, Jeb? And... I mean, I want to. I can also chime in a little bit on personal experience with my INTJ-ness, and I would say that, I mean, being an INTP in depending where you're from, an SP or an SJ society, where where a majority of the people you're probably not very compatible with in terms of friendships, the best place would be finding hobbies or locations where more compatible types are. So. Find a place where there's lots of NJs, and I think you could 
build some meaningful relationships. Yeah, and I mean, as an INTP, learn, like, literally learn how to go to the gym. Learn how to go rock climbing. Learn how to go backpacking. Learn how to go hiking. Expand your horizons. Get off mm-hmm. your butt and have some self-discipline. Learn a martial art. Like, my INTP uncle, he's a black belt. Seriously. Like, <laughs> that's one of the best things you could do for yourself. And you're going, and right. because you're getting a black belt, you're going to expose yourself to tons of NJs, and you're going to expose yourself to... Um, uh, tons of um, um, uh, SFPs, and then you're actually going to be able to establish those meaningful relationships. If you want to have relationships with those people, offer to help, but you need to position yourself for greatness. You have to put yourself in those situations to be able to do that. Like being holed right. up in your comfort zone at home, good luck uh, you know, creating a new relationship with your wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I take more of a almost biblical approach to friendships and relationships. It's kind of like separating the wheat from the chaff, you know, exactly. basically experimenting if somebody's a piece of shit and if they are, you put them in the dumpster. Seriously in the dumpster. And you know, that's why we also hand out uh, or at least encourage people to get their forklift license because sometimes people are way too heavy <laughs> to uh, get the dumpster themselves. So you got to use the forklift to just, you know, lift them and dump them in. Right. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I think that answers that. So let's move back to these questions. And this person asks, can an ISTP forgive? Because I feel like I always remember the bad and that makes me not want to forgive being at, forgive and be around people. So that's SI critic. Say that again. So can an ISTP forgive? Because I feel like I always remember the bad and that makes me not want to forgive people and be around them. If this person actually is an ISTP, uh, the answer is yes, because the ISTP over time will basically learn how to, you know, how to do that. So for sure. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, uh, Jab Periani asks, how would acquired sociopathy affect an INFJ? For example, the INFJ acquires major depression leading to a shrunk hippocampus lowered empathy and memory okay so if that if that really is actually an infj and they're not mistyped we're just going to assume they're not mistyped and if you're not sure if you're mistyped or not please watch the uh lecture titled how do infjs compare to infps for example please watch that lecture uh but assuming that there is no mistyping we're assuming you know uh that's right jab you and i are in asses right now because we're assuming right. uh so the uh, the INFJ, basically all you have to do is get over your performance anxiety. Focus on making yourself better. Focus on empowering yourself to perform better. And you do this by failing over and over and over again, where you as the INFJ are literally focused on failing or being open to failing. You try to go for success, but if you get failure, you're overjoyed for that failure. Why? Because you just gained yourself wisdom. Wisdom right. is the key. So you need to open your SE inferior to failing, right? So be open to failure. And then as a result of failing, and and seriously, stop feeling worthless, stop feeling useless, stop feeling bad, who cares? You need to fail to get wisdom. So ignore Mm -hmm. how you feel because how you feel is kind of not really relevant because you have this insanely high moral standard to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So don't do that. Take yourself right. beyond. 
I mean, are there some people that this person could surround themselves with? Because I notice some of my friends, I can pull them back into their ego if they're having a hard time. So with depression, that gives me the impression that somebody's in their shadow or their subconscious or even their superego. Yeah. And it, basically, it's kind of like it could lead to uh, uh, it could lead to failure to launch syndrome. It's because of that performance anxiety. Like, for example, uh, I know an INFJ who's stuck in a dead end job making minimum wage with not even 40 hours a week. And uh, they're not willing to get an, another higher paying job, even though they qualify, like immensely qualify and get 40 hours, higher pay, 40 hours. And it's because, well, I don't feel like I'm good enough. And I'm trying to explain to this person, you're never going to feel good enough. Stop caring so much about how you feel. It doesn't matter. INFJs need to behave more like machines, like thinkers, and actually focus on thinking about solving problems instead of how they feel. If an INFJ is so concerned with how they feel, they'll never get anything done, and they're literally worthless. Like, sorry, INFJs can pivot between most worthless human being on the planet to the most useful human being on the planet, i.e. Jesus Christ, for example, right? So right. figure something out, get over your performance anxiety by failing over and over and over, gain the wisdom that you need to actually start building success. Uh, that's how I would recommend doing it for sure. Uh, if you want some books to read, uh, get some motivation on that and kind of understand that, read everything Gary Vaynerchuk ever wrote ever. Uh, also, yeah, that would uh, really help INFJs out for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to one of these other questions. Uh, can we have a personality channel that's like personality type memes? I'll put that in the admin channel. It's probably not something we need to answer in the stream. Okay. Um, how do individuals with FI and their demon slash tricks that deal with health problems due to being related to things like stress and anxiety? If they cannot do slash not have awareness of them. Could you ask that in a different way? Um, I think FI should be replaced with SI, demon or trickster, because it's usually those people who deal with the health problems. Um, so how do individuals with FI in the demon or trickster slot deal with health problems which relate to things such as stress and anxiety if they cannot or won't have awareness of them. Okay, so this person needs to stop thinking about F functions uh, and health. F functions have nothing to do with health. It's S functions that have everything mm -hmm. to do with health. SI and SE. If you have FI trickster and FI demon, uh, FI tricksters, uh, that means they're an ESTP or an ENTP. I'm thinking this person's an NTP asking this question. So this is like SE demon or SE trickster, right? SE demon mm -hmm. is the one that has more risk. That's the whole like flying too close to the sun thing and then they get bit, right? And uh, then right. they have like a p potential chronic illness or permanent ailment attached to them because they have SE demon, right? Whereas SI demon right. is different. It just invites every bad thing to happen in them, but NI hero is still able to get out of it, right? That's where it's backwards. So basically, the only thing that you could do to figure that out is. If you have SI demon, you need to focus on increasing your performance to reduce risks of having problems. If you are SE demon, you need to increase your self-discipline. Focus on increasing your self-discipline right. so that you're no longer putting yourself at undue risk. And that's how I would answer that question. Okay. All right. Now, this is this is going to be a bit of a spicy one. Spicy? Do you attribute the... 
do you attribute the extremely disproportionate number of NTs, in particular INTJ and INTP, in the server to the nature of your content, mistyping, or some other factor? I'd say uh, all of the above, but... <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say that no other uh, source on depth psychology on the internet actually understands NTPs at all, and I'm, like, the only one that does, and because of that, they like to be around me, and that's why they're on the server. That's how I would. Uh, that's how I would state that, for sure. Right. So, uh, Jeff, right. I got a, yeah. I, I got a question from Hunter. How does someone who can't understand their feelings deal with health problems associated with stress and anxiety? So, I think that goes back to the last question. Like, I think he's rewording it for us. Oh, <laughs> what a cool rewording, guy. Rewording. Okay, that's a decent question. Okay, Hunter. How does someone who can't understand their feelings deal with the health problems associated with stress and anxiety? Well, if we really have to talk about feelings and health, here he goes. Here, here's a good way of putting it. I'm not in the mood to change. I'm not in the mood to go in the doctor today. I'm not in the mood to take my medicine. Like... That's like, <laughs> I'm so beyond that right now. I really just right. do not want, I mean, think about it. Like some elderly woman, for example, or an elderly man is just like, I don't want to go to the doctor today, but you have to, you're going to die. I don't want to, I'm not in the mood. Like that's basically, you know, how that would manifest. You know, mm-hmm. if they can't understand their feelings or is it more of like, they can't understand what they're sensing, right? Is that really how this question goes? I, I think- it really comes down to decision making. What does the person value? I mean, does their values disagree with uh, going to doctors and seeking help? That's another way of putting at it with when it comes to feelings, right? So again, when we're asking that question, like, what are we talking about? You know what I mean? So that's kind of where it comes down. And uh, we got another uh, question, Jab, uh, Ram mm-hmm. Shanker. That's it. How do I, as an ENTP, deal with the desire of lust? How do I control it? And not think about it so I can be productive. That is a great question. Yes. (laughs) I love this question. Okay. The answer to this question is you have to get your SI inferior under control. It is absolutely all about self-discipline. For example, in my life as an ENTP, I have a rule. I love, let's be honest, I love sexting. I love it. I absolutely love sexting. I love sending lewd photos to like my lover for some okay. reason on my phone. It's one of my favorite things to do. But the thing is, is that if I am not in a relationship with somebody, I cannot really allow those photos to come to me per se at all. The reason why is because it just absolutely engulfs my SI inferior. It overwhelms my SI inferior and it actually etches it so deeply that it causes loyalty in my SI inferior. The same thing goes with pornography. When I was in high school, I had this like insanely bad addiction to pornography for like four years. It was like the worst thing and it didn't really go away until like I took a girl to prom and like she was like my first girlfriend and that was fantastic. Um, and then I relapsed later and then I got you know married and then it kind of went away and then it relapsed again and then it was basically completely gone uh, towards like after my, my eighth year in marriage. But it's completely gone at that point. But the point was is that uh, introverted sensing when it, it is um, 
it is so easily etched and loyalty is so easily created in uh, introverted sensing inferior basically as an ENTP that it has a very hard time letting go of any form of sexual addiction, right? So this is why I do not allow women to send me naked photos of themselves if I'm not in a relationship with them because I do not want to see my self-discipline waning and then as a result it builds loyalty towards those people that I don't even have relationships with. So I end up establishing a boundary, you know, oh yeah, the four pillars of self-intimacy, needs, standards, boundaries, and goals. Boundaries, the third one, I have a boundary that I set up with those women to prevent them from doing that because I do not want to find my introverted sensing being endeared to them and loyal to them. You know what I mean? So it's a, and I have to do this with self-discipline, right? And it's gotten to the point where actually some of the women in this very audience have sent me those photos and I insta block them because it's like, wow, way to disrespect my boundary. Like, and I didn't have a chance to even tell them that boundary because they never even asked, get out of my life. I will not have anything to do with you. <laughs> Right. So that's literally how you control it. You uh, if you have lust, uh, you have to develop self-discipline. You have to develop the habit. Right. And, and that's literally what it comes down to. Another way to do that to help you develop the habit is you focus on doing things that are actually productive. And instead, because it's like, hey, I will have like unlimited like like it'll get to the point like because for some reason a lot of the man children a man children in the world believe that oh yeah pussy is the most valuable resource on the planet but to like an actual man like pussy grows on trees think about it so if you're focused on <laughs> developing your manhood and doing the four pillars of self-intimacy you need to watch season six uh playlist on my youtube channel they need to watch season four and they need to watch season 13 in that order they're playlist on my youtube channel develop your manhood and then women will be coming to you en masse as an ENTP after you've developed your manhood. And you'll like never be lonely again. And that'll like never be a problem for you again. Again, the answer to your question is develop self-discipline, develop your introverted sensing, protect your introverted sensing, put up boundaries and have personal standards that do not allow people to endear you, uh, you know, to them through like lewd photos or lewd behaviors or whatever, lust and whatnot. The same thing also applies to pornography because of the same thing, because you will find your introverted sensing is literally a slave to pornography, for example. Do not let that happen. So that's how I would answer that question. Um, I'm not sure if another one popped up though, Jab, did you see it? Um, Max Sargent just said earned it so and sent $5. So thank you, I guess. Fair enough. Thanks, <laughs> what, what do you got next for me? Um, all right. So is there a case in which FI demon can be a good thing to have? I've seen plenty of examples where it's used as a defense mechanism or a way to demonstrate that INTP is emotionally underdeveloped or unstable, but not every, many positive ones. Every demon function has a purpose. <laughs> every demon function is important. Every demon function could actually be a good thing. Cause remember, the positive, healthy way to use your demon function is specifically to reset your life. It's basically you activate your superego. It's using the powers of like the, the inner demon basically through your, uh, your eighth function. It's also known as the parasite. It's the powers of the parasite. It is extremely powerful. 
but for a short amount of time, and it causes vast devastation. You use it basically to reset your life. If your life is coming crashing down upon you and your ego and your subconscious and your unconscious can't solve the problem and you cannot rely on any other human being in your life to help solve those problems. So you have no choice but to go to your super ego, use its power temporarily to reset your life, burn everything to the ground and rise like a phoenix because new life after everything is burned to ash starts to grow as a result of the ash. And that's how to properly use your super ego. And it is the same thing with FI Demon. If you're an INTP or you're an ISTP, it applies in the same manner. All right, let's move on then. Um, my INFP mother wanted to know what you mean by an INFP's judge. She says she does analyze. Is your use of judge synonymous with analyze or did you mean something else? No, they like, they're literally making moral judgments about your character. They are judging your character behind the scenes secretively in their right. mind. And they're like, they're literally thinking less of you and you have no idea or they're thinking highly of you and they have no idea. It, it could be definitely a problem or a potentially good thing, maybe for those of you, them that, that can read their face or read them that well. Okay. Like, like NFJs, but that's again, assuming that she actually is an INFP and not mistyped. So, right. So what would that, that would be the FB nemesis, right? Worrying that other people aren't good enough. Yeah, worrying that other people are not meeting the, their super high moral standard that they have for themselves. Yes. Okay. This next question, do you think an ESTJ-ENTJ relationship would work? If yeah, how could it function best? What would clash and what wouldn't? ESTJ-ENTJ relationship, would it work? Yeah. Again, this comes down to maturity. Yeah, it's... It could potentially work, but they would have a clash of values and one person would have to let go of their values for the sake of the other person, essentially. Not what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd ask them to verify what the type grid what their types are first, just right. in case they're like not assuming incorrectly what those types are before they potentially end their relationship. But uh, <laughs> But other than that, like definitely not a relationship I'd recommend. There's not even really good sexual compatibility in there. And there's absolutely no, you know, decision making shoulder to shoulder compatibility whatsoever in that. Uh, like at mm -hmm. best, it's probably like a friends with benefits relationship, to be honest. And that's probably what that relationship wow. was built upon in the beginning. All right. Now you've kind of answered this before, but it's kind of worded differently. So Basically, just call back to your previous answer. Someone's asking, is there any advice for an INFP to use TI more efficiently and effectively without interacting with a TI-heavy professional environment? I mean, we've kind of already answered this, but if you want to give like a two-second answer. Uh, ask it one more time. Any advice for an INFP to use TI more effectively and efficiently? Oh, yeah. What about interacting in a TI-heavy environment? Oh, uh, if you're interacting in a TI-heavy environment, just... Focus on uh, emulation. <laughs> no, uh, do the good thing. If you're in a TI heavy environment, do the good thing. Make sure you're reading as much as you can, but seriously focus on doing uh, the good thing. Um, and uh, yes, thank you, Hunter. We see you <laughs> with your amazing crab avatar. Uh, someone needs to make me a forklift avatar. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd answer that question. But yeah, if you're listening, go back. We answered 
a very similar question previously. He basically said just read a bunch of books and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, some others might have expressed or experienced it. I can't remember now. How come the more I learn about typing, the more I get confused about typing others, including definitions of my own type? Could this be because of TI Trickster? It could be, yes, that it could be because of TI Trickster. Um, it's really hard for TE Child uh, to actually learn this material because I'm kind of like one of the few people that have put it all together because I've researched so much about it and I've taken all the parts that actually do fit together in this big puzzle piece. And there isn't very many other sources out there on the internet that they can compare to that has all the puzzle pieces together, which just ends up leading to confusion for TE Child. The best thing I would right. recommend for TE Child then is to just be patient. More material will come and more people will start adopting these ideas and fleshing them out even beyond me, basically. And then you'll have additional sources to go with after the fact. Just be patient. It's coming. Right. Because that's the thing with your content. You don't just, like, take one professor's content and regurgitate it. You take all of the content and then you look at all the pieces which fit together and then you rearrange them to make a jigsaw puzzle and then you discard the trash. Exactly. Yeah, discarding the trash, like David Kiersey calling the intellectuals <laughs> the rationals. Or, or socionics calling uh, duality, duality relationships functional. <laughs> yeah, duality relationships functional. <laughs> LOL, yeah. get out. <laughs> anyway, let's move forward. Um, do you know who Dr. Dario Nardi is? Do you agree with his work regarding personality types? Uh, I don't necessarily agree yet. I am reading his book uh, right now. so Okay. So maybe that might be something to re-ask and we can come back to it when you finish? Yep. I mean, there's, right. something, there's something to it, but it's more, it's more temperament-based. The other thing is, too, like, he seems a little too close to the Big Five, and I'm completely anti-Big Five. And my only real concern with him right now is that he doesn't have a he, – he's not really differentiating nurture from nature. If he was doing that more often, I'd be way more motivated in figuring it out. But I already know that he's kind of doing that. It's just kind of like, eh, reading his stuff is not as much of a priority right now, but I'll get to it. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at with it. All right. Um, let's move forward. Advice for raising an ENFP 14-year-old daughter by an ITP dad. Yes. This is a great question. I love this question. <laughs> yes. Okay. First things first. With her phone – Definitely control her data. Absolutely control that data. Like, like literally shut that data off on her phone and inhibit her ability to text. Uh, because never, ever let an ENFP child do what they want, ever. You have to obligate them. <laughs> oh, wow. You only let them do what they should do, right? And if they do what they should, then they can earn said privileges. And, you know, when you have an ENFP with a phone – uh especially like a little um uh you know especially like uh you know 14 year old girl enfp well guess what i mean texting is a privilege using data on your phone is a privilege so that's the first thing i'd go after basically you take you have privileges you have to earn privileges if you do x y and z you create a plan and here you can earn x y and z here's the privileges you have now if you do these behaviors you get to keep these current privileges if you want to earn privileges that you don't have yet like for example daddy buying you a car one day here's what you have to do oh by the way you better be able to pay your own insurance and have a job 
when you're 16 if I decide to get you a car, for example. But that's how I would approach parenting for an ENFP. You have to get a hold of that SI inferior and hold it close mm -hmm. and make sure that you are obligating them appropriately. Do not let them do whatever right. they want. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty important because I don't know, maybe it's my own personal bias, but I've always found that NFPs are at both ends of the spectrum when it comes to maturity. So taking a structured approach like that will probably end up benefiting your daughter in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's keep moving forward. Uh, INTP is more prone to addiction than other types, perhaps as an attempt to maintain control or comfort in an otherwise untenable situation. No. No, the answer to that question is no. Everyone, it, well... SPs get pretty addicted to a lot of things like to alcohol, to marijuana, uh, SJs do like, it's pretty much kind of the same. It's just what it's just pick your poison. Like SPs are more prone to having alcoholic behavior and NJs. So SPs and NJs, more alcoholic behavior and gambling, for example, whereas, you know, SI users, it's more of a cocaine thing or a marijuana <laughs> thing, you know, like it's, it's different, right? Because different drugs provide different reactions to different people of different types, different addictions, right? It just depends on how their brains are wired within their type, et cetera. S what, what makes SI happy does not necessarily mean what makes NI or SE happy, for example. So there's different, different ways of doing that. Okay. Uh, let's keep, let's push through a few of these. What particular types are more likely to have beards? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, ISTPs and ESTPs more than anyone, and then followed by uh, N NJs. Um, <laughs> and neck beards? <laughs> NJs are most likely to have beards, yeah. Uh, even, uh, basically, SPs and NJs are, more, are the most likely to have beards, with SPs the most, yeah. Right, okay. All right, um... Could a romantic relationship between an INTP female and an ENFJ male work? What would be the negative and positives of this relationship? What types again? INTP female and ENFJ male. INTP female and ENFJ male. Yes, that could absolutely work for sure. That, right. Yeah, that, that, that relationship absolutely could work. They just have to be careful to stay away um, from guilt because there could be like an unlimited guilt loop. And that guilt could cause yeah. a lot of problem because if one feeling is feel, feels guilty, they both feel guilty and they need to like literally talk about their feelings or at least the ENFJ has to talk about their feelings and the INTP needs to be patient enough to listen to the, to the, uh, to ENFJ. Otherwise like that ENFJ's demon is going to come out. Uh, so you got to listen to TI inferior and just literally talk through all of the feelings, not necessarily solving the problem until after the ENFJs talked about all of those feelings ahead of time. And then they'll actually have uh, results. But otherwise, absolute fantastic relationship. They're super good in bed together. I highly recommend it. Right. Um, perhaps also worth mentioning, use that TE critic. Yeah. Uh, TE critic. For an, you mean TE Nemesis for an INTP? Oh, uh, my bad. Sorry. Yeah. TE yeah. Nemesis. Yeah, use the TE Nemesis. You have to really learn how to use your TE Nemesis so you can get get the ENFJ to talk about their thoughts out loud. You want them to talk their thoughts out loud because only through talking will they actually receive healing. The INTP can't just flat out solve the problem. They have to right. actually talk 
because even if the problem is solved by the INTP, the ENFJ still feels bad. And the ENFJ has to talk about the thing in order to and get their thoughts out there in order to have healing. And the INTP needs to orchestrate the communication of those thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah, the major linchpin for that relationship will be your ability to use your T in emesis function. Yeah. Um, just found your channel. Right, someone's asking, why do you think your INTP videos have so many views? Again, because I'm one of the few people on the internet that actually understand NTPs. Most people are confused by them, and uh, it, the results speak for themselves. Right. <laughs> um, how do each type respond to abuse and praise? How does also, may sound also may sound stupid, but what is the main deadly sin of each type and how to grow from it. That's the uh, Virtue and Vice lecture series. Yeah, just watch Virtue and Vice, basically. Uh, and I think that's season six. I think that's season six. Right. How to respond to abuse and praise. That sh probably will be covered in the social engineering lectures. Like, I'm pretty sure you covered it in for ESTJs in your ESTJ lecture. Yeah, it is kind of covered in the social engineering. I am actually going to be doing a series on bullying because someone from the audience has inspired me to do so. So I'm going to be actually studying uh, or putting together a lecture series specifically on bullying uh, and how that works. Great. 30 seasons, even though we're at 16, 20, and 15 at the moment. I know. Well, I mean, if you look at, if you look at my planner, it's like uh, over 800. So it's going to be a while. Mm -hmm. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, how to type yourself as accurately as possible. How can you be absolutely sure you haven't been mistyped? Uh, verify it. Use the type grid and the temperament matrix. And if you're a TI mm. user who sucks at verification, go to a TI user who knows the, the type grid and the temperament matrix, and they will help you. Uh, yeah, I mean, or it's definitely kind of... Our test is released on our website, which hopefully should be available before Christmas. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult to type yourself because you're not going to notice some of those interactions you do. Like, this is why people take. If you ask someone, suck at it. Yeah, exactly. Also, the MBTI test is just terrible. Like testing S against N and whatnot, it just seems stupid to me. Yeah, but regardless, um, how can I tell if I'm an INTP or an ENTP? What's the main difference between them in social situations? I got INTP one week and then ENTP the next. Did I not do a lecture on this? I swore I did a lecture on that. How do INTPs compare to ENTPs? I think I did a lecture on that. And if I didn't do a lecture on it, it is on the schedule, but I believe I already did. Okay. All right, we'll skip past that then. Uh, I'm sure someone in the chat can correct you if that's the case. Um, you have an answer for how INFJs can improve their memory. Uh, yes, write everything down. Right, so that just becomes using your TE. Or surround yourself with SI users to remember for you. Uh, so Hunter's got another question. How to deal with ESTPs when you are an ENFJ at work and would rather just focus on building your repertoire and skills rather than fight some dumbass. Uh, basically, you have to troll them as much as they troll you. Literally. 
if they're giving you a sensation, you got to fire back with a clever quip or, um, or be sarcastic in return or whatever. You kind of have to play their own game. You have to dance with them because ESTPs, it's all about a dance, right? So you just want to dance with them. If you, if you need tips about how that works, do uh, the way of the superior man, read that by David data written by an INFJ talks about the masculine and feminine dance. That dance literally is how you have to behave on ESTPs when they're doing that in the workplace. Because if you're not going to dance with them, they're not going to respect you. And if you don't, mm -hmm. and if they don't respect you, they're going to continue abusing you. It's that simple. They're, they're literally looking at you and they're being like, wow, you're weak. And I'm going to respect you because you're weak. So until you start showing strength, they're not going, they're going to continue to do that. All right. What ideal types should an ENTP who is starting a business and is light on credentials but having an experience target as a client. What fun activities should I look for? So they're asking about what? They have no... Ex so what ideal type should an ENTP who is, a starting, who is starting a business and is light on credentials but having an experience target as a client? So who's someone that's going to ignore credentials but look oh. at experience for? Um... NJs, basically. Right. NJs care more about results. Yeah. NJs. Results orientated. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hello. I am an ENFP. I'm 16 years old. There's a girl I know who's been causing me a lot of stress and sadness, and this has been going on for quite a while. She's constantly one-upping me, staring at me as if I'm being mean, even though I'm not trying to be saying things about me that will obviously start an argument and generally getting on my case and refusing to just be my friend slash get along with me. This has made me very anxious, giving me a lot of self-esteem problems. It's impossible for me to avoid me to avoid her because we both we are both involved in the same activity, and I don't think ignoring her would get her to stop. I don't know exactly what type she is, although my best guess is ESFJ based on the type grid. I'm wondering, how can I get this person to stop bullying me in this backhanded way so that I can feel respect? Uh, by having more friends than her. <laughs> I mean, if you are an ENFP, like, you're primed to make as many friends as possible. Yeah, like, literally, have as many friends as possible and increase your status and become more popular. That's literally what I would say. I would avoid using the standard ENFP tools of... Uh, 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 spreading rumors about people in order to destroy their reputation so that your reputation remains intact. That's the typical ENFP negative response. Otherwise, success is its own revenge. Just have more friends and be more popular than that other person. Show yourself friendly and you'll be more, uh, you'll be more successful, basically, is kind of how I would uh, apply that. So, uh, for sure. Uh, Hunter, okay. the Discord link. There's a Discord link. There you go, Hunter. <clears throat> All right. Hi. I'm wondering where the best places to look for an ISTJ man would be. I'm currently on dating apps, but where I am from, they seem mostly like SPC. And very few SJ men. Would okay, love to get so, some advice. Yes. Where do you find ISTJ men? Uh, they are your accountants, your doctors, and your lawyers. Uh, more. So go <laughs> go there you'll find ISTJs. They're also librarians. Go there. You'll find ISTJs. They're all over the place. Those libraries right. <laughs> of Alexandria. 
So you go, to, <laughs> yeah, go to, exactly. just start shopping when it comes to tax season, start shopping for accountants. It's like when in reality, you're just trying to find like a good ISTJ man, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when you found him, then uh, give him a really good experience. He'll never forget. And then you're off to the races. <laughs> right. Check for rings first, <laughs> right? <laughs> Check for rings. Yeah. Um, is there any tips she's given an INTP who's aspiring to be a writer? And an INTP suited to being writers in general? Uh, if George yes. R.R. Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones, is an INTP. So yes, world building. Boil the ocean. Do as much work as you can before you actually write the book. <laughs> Right. The establish world, the setting. The character. Establish yes. the scene. Yeah. Yep. World building. Build the cultures. Yep. World building first. And then you can build the it. ethics. Build the trade routes. Build the paths. Build the roads. Build the mountains. Yep. Develop build the reality. climates. Everything. Um, are all extroverts energized around other people by default? Or are there differences between different extroverted types? Yes, there are some differences. Uh, all extroverts gain mental energy from being with other people, yes. But some extroverts <coughs> can uh, be more uh, prone to being like introverted sometimes, like my type, for example. Right, that's the SI inferior. Yeah, SI inferior. If I'm in a social situation, I'm going to be introverted. Why? Because no one's made me comfortable yet. Once I am comfortable then I'm very social and like crazy and actually good at things. Of course, that's if I can't get into that situation, what I do is I'll sneak in some alcohol or something to put me into my shadow, which makes me way more social as a result. And then I could get through mm -hmm. that because I already know ahead of time, like no one's going to like make me feel good. So I just get myself like one or two beers worth of alcohol uh, and then like have that just before I go into the social situation. Again, I don't recommend like drinking alcohol, but this is just an example. If you're, or, or another way to do it, you stimulate like caffeine, just have like two wow. glasses of coffee before going into the social situation and you'll be pretty good. So either one would work. So it just depends. Okay. How can one tell if they are entering their shadow such subconscious because of an interaction with another person, i.e. the same type as them? What are the indicators to look for in each, in such a situation? Could you ask that question again? And then we got two other questions in the chat to get to. All right. How can one tell if they are entering their shadow such subconscious because of an interaction with another person, i.e. the same type as them? What indicators to look for in such a situation? Okay, can you can you paste that to me real quick? All right. All right, this guy, a heathen, asked, also explain how Jesus was not a socialist, uh, to which I respond, uh, he had a job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Hen <laughs> Henick Samuel says, can INFP become good computer programmers? If so, how? They can if they're focusing on the process, the syntax. If they're very syntactical about it, they can be, become very good computer programmers. Actually, they can become very good um, architectural designers with AutoCAD. They actually can do that. Uh, and I have seen some pretty good uh, architects who are INFPs, and it's because they're following the process, they're following the syntax. They just understand uh, you know, the, the rules. It's all very rules-focused. And if they focus on learning the rules, they can become good computer programmers. However, they do not really have a handle on logic. 
and that can be a problem. But they can usually get through it if they have mastery of the syntax. So that's just kind of how I would recommend going for it. However, most training of community computer programming is very focused on logic and uh, and not as much on syntax. And because of that, INFPs may not actually be able to get the training that they need to be able to do it properly for computer programming. And Strawberry Lolly with another question. Uh, <laughs> is YouTube a good hobby outlet for an INTP? Sure, absolutely. The more experience an INTP has, if they're focused on helping others, uh, the more useful that'll be. The only difficulty that an INTP may have is their social anxiety, which would cause them to have difficulty in presentation. So what you do is you find yourself an NJ to do it with you and be a co-host of YouTube, for example. And then through having that co-host, you're actually having that conversation with them and not necessarily with the audience, which allows you to get past the social anxiety provided by Effie Inferior and makes you more comfortable on YouTube. And then as a result of being comfortable in that way, you're actually able to produce better results and better quality content. That's what I'd recommend for you, Strawberry Lolly. All right. Um, do you want to start answering some YouTube questions from for now, we're at about an hour and 40 minutes. So I think we do like another, say, 20 minutes or so of YouTube questions and we'll wrap it up there. Um, sure. Or do you want to just keep going with some Discord? You're yeah. the boss. How, where, what, what date are we at right now with uh, in the Discord? Uh, 17th September. The 17th of September? Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll interchange um, real quick. Oh, someone said something. Let's see what they said. How do okay? So smooth move eleven. How do fairly healthy and mature INTP and ISFJ couple resolve their deep rooted differences and work together? Uh, they um, they go to the courthouse and they file for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, seriously, that is not a rest. That is not a, uh, no, an NTP with an SFJ. No, that is not a good relationship. I do not recommend that whatsoever. No. Because, right. Like, and I know, I know, Jab, you gave me so much crap about saying this. So I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Uh, so. So an INTP and an ISFJ couple, this is how they work in the bedroom. Imagine two homosexual guys, right, in a oh relationship. Yeah, yeah, I'm going there. So they're in a sexual relationship. And one guy chooses to be on top and the other guy is on bottom, right? And that's typically how their relationship goes. It's because one guy is the SE user and one guy is the SI user. But when you have an INTP and an ISFJ couple in a relationship and a sexual relationship at that, like, it's literally having two bottoms. So explain to me how that is working out and how that's fulfilling, especially in the bedroom experience. No. And that also comes out in every other facet of their relationship. That's definitely not something I recommend. However, uh, Smooth Moves ISFJ, for example, may not actually be an ISFJ. They could be an INFJ. Or the INTP may actually be an INTJ. If that is true then those rela that relationship would be absolutely fantastic and one I would recommend. But if it really is INTP and ISFJ, there's never going to be a resolving of those rooted, deep-rooted differences ever because the SI, the way the SI is, it remembers those differences. It's not going to be any good. So I recommend 
out of self-respect, <laughs> moving on as soon as you can to somebody else and get out mm -hmm. of your comfort zone and stop harming each other because none of you will be fulfilled for like the rest of your lives. I do not recommend right. that relationship. Hard truth from C.S. Joseph himself. Uh, Hunter's like, do you think a majority of ENFJs are conservative or liberal? That just really depends on their nurture and where they're from. Right. That's CFE. Yeah. Sucks like, up the morals of other people. Yeah. Like ENFJs from South Africa are very different from ENFJs in like the mountain time zone of the United States of America. Let's just say like very different. Right. It's a completely different value system, different country, different uh, overarching temperament for the entire society itself. It just really depends. Okay, so are we going to go to YouTube questions again? Because like, I feel like jumping through a few of these. I might just yeah, keep them at random because we're definitely not going to be able to go through them all. One of my favorite people in our audience, Raylan herself, has graced us with our with her presence tonight. Uh, and she asks, how do I, ENTJ, get real friends that are also girls? And good evening. So, yes, good evening to you, Raylan, and I will answer your question. So the answer to that is basically... Uh, find um so if you do have some girlfriends like so i actually had an entj woman ask me this recently and she asked me okay hey you know i have this esfp friend you know how would i make that better and i'm like okay pretend you are the canvas upon which she paints so when you go clothing shopping with this esfp let the esfp pick out your outfits and give you advice on fashion even though you technically as an entj really understand your own look but just be open to it have an open mind to the esfp the esfp will feel great about it and really excited to like quote help you even though you don't necessarily need her help but then you're also potentially building your se child and your fashionable capabilities and learning new skills as a result so it could be valuable however uh an entj girls you would want to be around focus on getting ntp girls and take them to the shops and go shopping with them and help them with their dress because they need help same thing goes with the sfjs sfjs and ntps become the canvas with which the entj can paint upon and then can really enrich those women's lives and do things together as, as a result. So it just kind of depends on what you're doing and who you're with. And, uh, you know, but uh, for the most part, the more, the more women that you have, if it's just you one-on-one, -on -one, stick with NTPs and SFJs. If it's multiple women, have at least one NTP or SFJ present, and then you can have, like, everybody else be, like, an SFP or a very incompatible type of you. It just depends who's present. Because, you know, you have the variety there. But, yeah, you want people who are loyal to you, Raylan. You want women who are loyal to you. And the ones that are loyal to you are going to be the NTPs and the SFJs more than most. Also, NFPs, potentially. But sometimes NFPs can get really selfish and end up putting you down for the sake of their selfishness or the sake of their status. So you got to be really careful when you're working with NFPs. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily going to be loyal to you per se, because they're usually almost loyal to themselves more than anyone else. Right. Um, have you considered incorporating Big Five into the school of CS Joseph at least for just one, just for fun episode? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> not, <and> never. <laughs> not a fan of the Big Five. Nope. Nope. Completely ignores nature. Yeah, it, it completely, yeah, it's it's not enough human nature awareness in that at all to make me uh, remotely happy with that. Right. Um, 
Spookman, uh, the answer to that question is yes, your type can change through cognitive transitions. Uh, go to my channel, search through my videos, and look up cognitive transition, and you'll have the answer to that question. Um, let's see. Have you ever taken into account that people are unpredictable and don't always conform to your set rules? Absolutely, because again, cognitive transitions, they could be which side of the mind are they in? Uh, where's their human nurture? Are they a male or a female? Uh, you know, there's like so many different facets to this consistently. Right. Um, yeah, hormones too. See. Thank you. Uh, no, Hunter. No. <laughs> Could an INTP and ISTP live with each other? Uh, yes, technically. Do I recommend that? No, not remotely. It's like it, it would be a constant competition of who has the bigger dick, basically. <laughs> Who's smarter <laughs> than the other person? Not something I would recommend. Right. All right. Um, let's go with this one. How does an ENTP child deal with an ESFJ mother? The child really wants to get along with her mom, but can't help the fact that the mom's presence alone repeals the child. What would you recommend the child has to do in order to enhance the relationship into a good and harmonious one? Go into and this their, is from a female. Go into their INTJ shadow and stay there as long as possible when in the presence of the ESFJ. Otherwise, get out and get away from that person and wait till they respect you and you're, until you're older. No, <laughs> Come Hunter. On. No, Hunter. No. Yeah, I mean, the big five is what? The fake news of uh, personality types? Yeah. Uh, um, what are cognitive functions that drive a type to be movement such control? Slots in these in the functions play a role in this as well. Well, sure. This... You know, individual functions have their own interaction styles, but when you have combinations or in different orders, the functions actually end up behaving completely different. It's all about combinations. Right. Right. So it comes down to the combinations, and I'm pretty sure, you, well. If that's if you if that's the extent of your answer, you could probably get some more detail in Linda Barron's book. She has a book on the interaction styles. Yeah, Wild Wizard asks, are there any nurture-based systems you think are doing it right? Yes, I do. One of them uh, specifically is King Warrior Magician Lover, which I talked <laughs> about heavily in season thirteen. Also, everything in season six and everything in season four. Um, how, how do you type your children when they seem like every other type at times? Okay, there's a reason why they seem like every other type at times. It's because their ego is not fully formed and their type has not been decided yet. They're going in and out based on their quadra. If there's trauma in their life, they're going in and out of their shadow, their ego, their quadra. So they could potentially be eight different types throughout their entire childhood, depending on their life, basically. So it's not until they hit adolescence that their ego becomes fully formed. And then that's what their ego is, basically. Right. Are matured, famous INTPs often mistyped by people in general? I mean, people on sites like Reddit, they can never achieve anything. And Mom Awkward Robots is a typing rule for us. And often ignore the enthusiastic dog-like side of INTPs. Or the fact that they can overcome stereotypes and act a little bit more extroverted when engaging other people. I've noticed something similar. Yeah, and that's the extent of the question. Could you summarize that for me? 
Uh, matured, famous INTPs often mistyped by people in general. And then the other stuff is just hyperbole. Yes, they are often mistyped. Uh, I'm going to answer Alexandra Cruz, who asked me, what is my day job? I am an engineer for information technology. And uh, in the Bay Area, California, I, as an engineer, assist salespeople in selling our product because without me, they wouldn't know all of the technical intricacies of the product to actually be able to sell it. So my job is to make them successful by educating people on how the product actually works. And I put it together for them and show it to them uh, and potentially, you know, introduce them to people that can even help further. That's basically what I do. Okay. We've got another question. Uh, what are your thoughts on grips and loops? Grips and loops. I am not answering that question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know anyone better than at typing than you at the moment? Yes, I do know one person who is better than me, and that's my mentor. Right. Okay. I am an INTP male in a relationship living to and living together with an ESFP female. It feels like I have changed and grew a lot since we've been together. My question is, do we turn more into our shadow and subconscious as a result? Or just as a result of a long relationship, my first serious long relationship. More my, into, my native language. The answer is more yep. in your subconscious, and that is a great relationship. Definitely one I recommend for INTPs. Yes, very good. Right. Yeah. So each other will transition into subconscious. So an INTP will transfer into the ESFJ subconscious, which is highly compatible with the ESFP, and that's where the compatibility compatibility in that relationship comes into or vice versa the ESFP goes into the INTJ. Yep. So we got uh got a couple minutes jab so maybe one or two more questions. All right. Um one of the final proofs you talked about being posted on your website is that talking about the type grid which is already up now. Yeah. Um why are ENTPs considered the most introverted of the extroverts? SI inferior. SI inferior, they're afraid of an experience. And if they're afraid of an experience, they're going to seem more introverted. Yeah, that's correct. As an INTP, how would I know if my inferior function FE is, is well-developed? That's conscious integration. Make them loyal to you. Sorry, I was answering Hades, Hades, son of Cronus's uh, question. He asked that question again. Right. Uh, as an INTP, how would I know if my inferior function is well developed? I think that comes down to subconscious integration. How, how helpful they are, basically. It's literally how helpful right. are you with actual results of people appreciating what you're doing for them. That's literally how to answer that. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's keep listing these questions. This is really good. Getting through some questions really quickly. In order to get a better handle of the functions, can you manipulate someone from your Q and A crew by targeting one of their functions through conversation? Yes. It could be for good or evil. Yes. No, I think they're asking for you to try and manipulate me as an example. Oh, as an example, maybe. Good uh, luck. Like let's say, <laughs> yeah, I, ENTPs and INTJs don't really do manipulation with each other because they can read each other like a book. So <laughs> that's why I said good luck. <laughs> um, 
around what ages do you think we should be taking more into account people going into the other sides of their mind more often? So I think this is saying what's a good roadmap for when you develop um, cognitive transitions into your subconscious and shadow and how good you are at them? Uh, basically, how fearless are you and how not worried are you, basically, as a human right. being? Have you self-actualized? Um, okay. All right. Um, I think I may know how. Okay, that one's a big question. I'll leave that. Oh, we got a question. Um, Which would an INTJ regret more in the long run? Sacrificing their dreams or sacrificing <laughs> loyalty, leaving loved ones? Uh, sacrificing Ooh. their dreams, for sure. <laughs> Hands down, for sure. Yeah, like... Yeah. Mm. I mean, do you want me to chime in on this one? Yep, Mr. Resident INTJ of CSJ, please chime in. Well, it depends. Sometimes someone's dream can be their loved ones. So sometimes you can get more of a picturesque view of what your future will be with your NI hero. So you might be like, oh, hey, you know, I want a nuclear family and I want a well-paying job and I want a woman who loves me. And it's like, could you really sacrifice, you know, that relationship with that woman you see yourself with in 20 years for a potential in a career upgrade? Maybe not. But at the same time, it really depends on what you prioritize and what you see your future as. So, like, you you will know, like, with respect to your loved ones, you will see what is it going to be like in 20 years with this person? And then you will make a judgment call as, is it worth me sacrificing this thing in my career to losing what I see in 20 years with that person? And if that person's a piece of shit and you're like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to, have a horrible, horrible relationship with that person in 20 years, you're going to be like backpedaling very quickly. And you will probably disregard that relationship and go with your dreams. Yeah. All right. So you got another question. Yeah, I got, I got two more here and then that's it for tonight. So smooth move asks, can you address the golden pair of INFJ and INTP together? Do you think they're not a golden pair? Why do they always seem to pair up? Uh, because they have insanely good sexual compatibility, but it is not necessarily a golden pair. The golden pair of the INFJ is with actually an ENFP uh, or potentially an INFP. And for INTP, it's with an ENTJ or an INTJ. That's the actual golden pairs for those. Uh, and the idea of the golden pair is not exactly accurate. I don't uh, subscribe to that theory whatsoever, uh, but uh I have social compatibility. Just go to the playlist, social compatibility, learn about that. But I will be releasing romantic compatibility in the future uh, very soon uh, where I'll be actually doing deep dives on that as well as sexual compatibility because sexual compatibility is actually technically different from romantic compatibility. There's a lot of different factors and a lot of different algorithms that we play with to actually produce the results. But social compatibility is the most general algorithm that we have for compatibility. And uh, based on that, that's where that lecture is, is coming from uh, because it's multiple algorithms mixed together, essentially. And uh, am I missing missing anyone else? Which Yeah, I mean, we're at, I think we're good. at about two hours now. Yeah, we're at two so. hours. So um, 
Hunter, stop. <laughs> Who fits me as a person <laughs> in a non-MBTI spoken way. So, Hunter, uh, someone who actually is moral, very moral, a good person, someone who's all about giving you all the freedom in the world and what doing whatever you want, someone that would like allow you to do things to them in the bedroom in whichever way you completely desired. And they would constantly come to you for advice and ask you what you think on a regular basis. That is why who, that's who fits you as a person in a non MBTI spoken way. <laughs> right. All right. Cool. Uh, Jab, uh, I think I think we're done tonight, so I, I'm going to close it off for us. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. Um, closing notes. Thank you all for coming. Um, don't forget to remember, like we said at the start of the video, don't forget the type grid. The new type grid's on Chase's website. You can get that there. Book list is coming soon. Don't forget to join the Discord. Um, yeah. Join the Discord, guys, if you want your questions to be answered, because you've noticed we haven't been able to do as much of the YouTube uh, feed. Uh, it's because the questions we have them posted by the audience on the Discord server. And don't forget, also, we're going to be posting <laughs> a giveaway for a coaching session on our Instagram. Go to Instagram. The link is, I believe, in the description of this lecture or other lectures, even though it's technically like a Q&A session, but whatever. Go to the Instagram, follow me on Instagram, and wait for the post. It will be coming hopefully this weekend, I believe, and uh, we'll be doing a coaching giveaway. So make sure you're following us so that you can actually see the giveaway, etc. It's going to be there. And then get on like the Discord. Also, Q&A sessions, we try to do them every two weeks. And uh, also, if you have any suggestions, uh, please make them in the Discord in terms of uh, which people that you would like us to type live. We do live streaming of that as well. So... Awesome, guys. Uh, thank you for everything. We love the audience. Uh, and thank you for recently breaking 7,000 subs on the channel. That is pretty dope. Our goal is to yeah, hit 10,000. we're approaching 8K again. Yeah, we're trying to hit 10,000 before Thanksgiving. So let's uh, let's make it happen. Please keep sharing all of the lectures and whatnot. And keep the questions coming. Uh, we'll definitely uh, get those questions answered uh, in the future. So anyway, with all that being said, you all have a good night. Yeah, good night, everyone. Thanks for everything. Later. Ciao.